With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. of the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofeld. We are going to, I'm not going to say 100% of this podcast is dedicated to recruiting, more particularly football recruiting, but I want to say maybe like 93.6% because there are a few things that we want to throw out here very first at the beginning of the podcast. By the way, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the Sooner Nation. And hey, we'd love to hear your feedback and your comments. You can always reach us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can find us on the interwebs, heartland-sports.com. We have a page there, a post there every week dedicated specifically to the podcast. So you can join the conversation that way. Or you can send us an email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Oklahoma has announced that they will be a phased reopening of the university beginning on May 11th. That is this coming Monday. We're recording this podcast Thursday night, May 7th. So beginning Monday, I mean, we're within a week of the university beginning a phased reopening. Now, if you want to know more about that, you can look this up yourself and you just go to the Googles and you type in University of Oklahoma phased reopening. And there are lots of articles out there that explain in detail what this phase looks like. But here's the important thing, Rich. Here's the important thing. Are, are you with me? Mm-hmm. All right. Just want I just want to know. Um, Lincoln Riley has said mid June. If I get the guys in mid June, we're good to go. And so if you start a re a phased reopening, it's not even mid May on May 11th. Then surely you can almost see mid June as being a good target date for these players to get back on campus and the university's already said that they plan on having classes on campus in the fall. So if you're a football fan, all signs point to towards good. Here's a question I want to know from you though, sir. There are other universities across the United States who are not doing this. For example, the governor of Michigan has stated that they're going to continue their shelter in place laws until the end of May. So that's going to push them behind this, you know, deadline of June, mid-June. It may be possible that come the first weekend in September, some schools are ready to play football and some schools are saying, you know what, we may just have to set this one out. If that's the case, if there are schools across the country that don't want to participate or can't participate in the 2020 college football season, as a fan, are you good with Oklahoma going, okay, we're jumping in here anyway, and we're doing this thing? Even though it won't be the full college football product, are you okay with a watered down, maybe slimmed down 12 to 15 teams less 
product of college football in 2020, or would you just rather wait till everyone can participate? It depends on who the 12 to 15 would be. Well, let's say Clemson couldn't participate, and Ohio State couldn't participate, and LSU couldn't participate. I'm just trying to think of all the teams. Georgia, I'm trying to think of all the teams that would be ranked ahead of OU, but that's not, that's not, I mean, it, it does look like legitimately, though, there could be like, like Michigan. Um, there could be some big name teams, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. that part of the world that's or that part of the United States that was to remain on lockdown. So I guess what I'm what I'm hearing you say, because I've totally interrupted your thought here. But what I'm thinking you're saying is so if Toledo can't play and Bowling Green can't be there and you throw out North Texas, I'm OK. Right. And, and the main reason for a statement of such nature is those programs, while they do play a vital role in the grand scheme of college football, they don't have an impact when it, at least they haven't, to my knowledge, ever had an impact when it comes to the national championship picture. And what everybody is in the hunt for from day one until the very last day that that team steps onto the field, they're all playing for the national or a chance to win First, the conference, and then a national championship. You remove some of the teams who are on that shelf. They're of that caliber. They're on that tier. And all of a sudden, you get what I would think would be a national champion with an asterisk by it. Most likely, yes. Nobody necessarily wants an asterisk by their name because – Unless you're Texas, unless you're Texas, because you love those asterisks. If you're Texas, go back to the 2008 (laughs) season, you know, Big 12 champion asterisk. Anyway, it devalues that championship. It devalues that title. Here's what we have to look at, though, Matt, comparatively. I know that politics are at play here. And while I'm not willing to discuss politics on this podcast, I know that they will have a much further reach than maybe fans specifically football fans of the college nature anticipated as we begin looking at the season as we begin looking at the return of players students as well to campus and a season taking place Mm -hmm. we won't know the full extent but here's the only the only decision that i think matters and ultimately it's up to the ncaa if these major programs start removing themselves from the equation, does the NCAA step in and say, look, we're just not going to have a, a season at this point in time. And instead, we'll look at a secondary option, n- a number of which you and I discuss, such as spring or mm-hmm. even a later start or even removing the non-conference portion of the schedule. Yeah, and I, I think those are ideas that were good ideas at the beginning just because nobody knew. But I, again, as you're learning more about this pandemic and more about the illness itself. And then you're seeing the economic impact of this. There's too much money to lose. I believe for if, if, if programs like Texas programs, like the university of Oklahoma, some of the higher brand name programs are good to go. I think the incident NCAA moves forward and would tell in that situation, tell a Michigan, tell a USC Tell a Notre Dame, hey, we're moving forward with the season, and you have the option to not play your non-conference games. But we're moving forward with the season as as it's there's just there's too much at stake. There, and and you know I don't know. I, I agree 
wholeheartedly and again, with this, you. This isn't political because I, I agree with you. This isn't the format or the forum for politi- for politics. But uh, Governor Cuomo of New York said this week that – I think it was on Wednesday. He said what they're finding out is that the positive cases in New York, something like 66%. I mean it's a high percent. I'd have to Google it to get the accurate – correct number but 66 is in my head for some reason 66 percent of the people who tested positive are people who sheltered in place who did they they quarantined they stayed at home and they got the virus and so if there's no if staying at home has equal or greater risk than getting out and about then people are going to get out and about and you're already seeing that here in oklahoma you're seeing that across the nation i think we're going to have college football and it, it may not be all 119 teams but I think we're going to have college football. Well, and, and college football, Matt, this is something that's been well documented at this point in time. And I don't need to break it down for anybody. I think it's an obvious statement that I'm going to make here. But college football is the driving force for each of the universities mm-hmm. when it comes to a stream of revenue. When we begin to consider the football program, when we consider the season, it's not just impacting fans who would fill stadiums. It's not impacting vendors who would also be inside those stadiums, providing services to those who paid a ticket to that game. It's not just going to affect the coaches, the security. It's not going to affect people that are directly related to this football team program game. However, you'd like to break it down season, if you will, but it's going to start impacting sports down the road. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about was it Boise State? Yeah, Boise State. Yeah, they furloughed removed, their coaches. Yeah, who who removed a program though? Said well, that we're not having this. They, they just shut it down for like ten days. I mean, they, they, it's not like they canceled football, but no, no, no. They furloughed I, I thought, their coaches. I thought someone had canceled a sport. Altogether. Well, that's going to happen. Like, and, and what you're seeing is no. I'm talking about just a singular university. Said that we can't sustain it. Well, maybe I, I just don't know what you're talking I, I, about. Yeah, okay, I'd have to go and look but, that up. Myself. But you're already seeing like schools like like Wisconsin, for example, who has said to their senior softball players, "Hey, thanks, but no thanks. You know, we're glad you get to come back and play another year of college softball, but you got to do that somewhere else." Here's the door to the transfer <laughs> transfer portal. Exactly. Uh, one other just quick thought on that, and then we're gonna move. Um, I do think if this happens, if 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 Oklahoma. Uh, host football this fall. I don't know that it's going to be with concessions. And if it if it is with concessions, I think it'll be that guy coming into the stands to sell concessions as opposed to a long line of people trying to get concessions. I just I think that might be something that they're going to have yeah, to look at. There there are certainly going to be changes considerations that have to be made and accommodations that people will have to get used to as we move into what's been labeled as the new normal. Now, while we don't know what the new normal is, we know that it's coming. So fingers crossed, Matt, that I can still hop in line and buy a bag of peanuts. Okay. The guy will bring it to you. You don't even have to hop in line. Peanuts here. Get your peanuts. Anyway. You um, do that one. Yeah, week. exactly. Uh, good. Oklahoma basketball signs uh, announces this week. They're going to do a, a, a neutral site game for at least the next two years. I think they're going to extend it beyond two years, but neutral site with the University of Arkansas. This used to be, and, and really I think Arkansas with the University of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they, they used to be pretty traditional powers back in the day. Um, 
I'm pretty excited about this. I, I don't know how you feel about it. You're the one who posted at Heartland Sports about it, but this this excites me for for more than just basketball reasons, and I'll tell you that after you give your initial thoughts. As far as basketball is concerned, I, I, I'm thankful the relationships within the coaching realm actually go deeper than just the, the competitive nature of these guys, whether that was them throughout their playing years and now moving into the coaching ranks. But you look at Lon Kruger, a guy who's been around the country at different or various programs and has these deep cemented firm relationships that he can begin to draw on when they look at that non-conference portion of the schedule. When it comes to Oklahoma and Arkansas, of course, you have to like the fact that a power five conference is, is going to hopefully regularly appear. Now we know that that's not something that's set in stone. That's something that is still up for debate. A decision has yet to be made, but we know that we're getting two seasons at least of Oklahoma and Arkansas. And it's not as though Arkansas and Oklahoma are unfamiliar foes. You know, they've met 28 times here in the past. The most recent one being 2017 where Arkansas upended the Oklahoma Sooners. I think Lon Kruger, Obviously playing at a neutral site, some people will say is looking for a little bit of revenge for that loss. And and I get it. I I get where that that comment comes from. Just a friendly rivalry between two head coaches who have some familiarity, who are considered, dare I say, pals with one another. Needless to say, like I said, I, I like it all the way around. And it's because of that connection. It's that that border battle, that ability to entice fans who are in the Tulsa area to come and support the team instead of having them drive all the way down to Norman just to catch a home game. Okay, so you want to know my other thoughts on this? No, go for it. Uh, so the I said no. Oh, go, I'm kidding. But go it's my it. podcast. You just get to come on, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, here's here's my other thought on that is that I, I think the reason why it's two years. And then looking beyond, because you know what happens in two years, right? No. In, in two years, me. yeah, in two years, TV contracts are up, which means in two years, That's conference right. realignment conversations are going to go through the roof. That's right. And I have long been on the conspiracy theory that Arkansas wants out of the SEC. The Big 12 wants to add at least two more teams. And I think Arkansas is an option for the Big 12. In, now, there's a lot of people out there who want the Big 12 just to implode and, and Oklahoma get absorbed into the SEC. But there's also teams that are in the SEC that don't want to be in the SEC anymore. Arkansas is one of those teams. you got a natural rivalry here with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Plus, a lot of people remember the old uh, Southwest Conference days with Arkansas having the big rivalry with Texas. Now, Texas needs another rival in the Big 12. Oklahoma and Texas is the primary rivalry game in the Big 12. But prior to the Big 12's realignment itself, Texas had Texas A&M. Oklahoma still had Nebraska. When Texas A&M left and Missouri left and Colorado left and Nebraska left, Oklahoma defaulted back to Oklahoma State as its secondary rival. And Oklahoma State fans aren't going to like to hear this, but it's truth. When Nebraska was still in the Big 12, Nebraska was Oklahoma's second rival. And it was not a distant second from Texas, but Oklahoma State was a distant third. Texas doesn't have that. They've tried it with Texas Tech. They, they've tried it with TCU. They've tried it with West Virginia. Texas doesn't have a natural rival beyond Oklahoma, and you need that in the conference. Putting Arkansas back in the Big 12 would immediately give that to the Texas Longhorns, and it would make this conference uh, another tier up. So 
all that said, this may be an introductory offer from the University of Arkansas to show the Big 12, here's what we have to offer uh, in this one area. Because everybody knows football is going to pay the bills. But our fans will travel to Tulsa, Oklahoma, meaning they would also travel to Stillwater. They would also travel to Norman. I just think there's, there's something more to that than just a basketball series. But even if it was just a basketball series and I'm wrong about this other stuff, pretty stoked about it. We have a ton of recruiting to talk about, and that's what we're going to shift the podcast to from this point forward. Uh, all about recruiting. He's Rich. I'm Matt. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks so much for being a part. Okay, so let's let's start with where Oklahoma currently stands in the area of 2021 recruiting. The Sooners right now have five commitments. Now, for well, I, I pause. Five commitments and. And people are freaking out because in the Big 12, do you know where they rank? 24-7 sports. Do you know where they rank uh, in the Big 12? Let, let me say this. I don't know where they rank in the Big 12, but the last time I looked at the national rankings, Oklahoma was number 42. Okay. So they've improved their national position a little bit. In the Big 12, just take a guess. 10? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm they're, being, they're bottom half. They're, they're number no, seven. I, I'm, I'm leading out with a, a very, I know, surprising number. For Oklahoma, if I had to take a serious guess, Matt, because you always set me up for these things. If I had to take a serious guess, you've given me that they're in the the bottom half, but I'm gonna say they're they're probably at seven or six. Yeah, they're they're seven, and um and, and Nash- that's just because the Kansases of the world exist in the big. Well, country. yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, um nationally they're fortieth, but everybody knows that again. There's a lot of people freaking out right now because. I'm just saying, hold your breath. Though. I mean, no, yeah, it's it's going to change. They mm-hmm. will not finish seventh in the right. Big Twelve. They were second last year. They will be second at minimum this year. I think they're going to be first, and I think they're going to be top five nationally when this is all said and done, because we you kind of know what's coming. The worst kept secret right now. We, we've we've hinted towards this. We've talked about it. I I think that we have dissected it. Every way it's possible to dissect the worst kept secret in college football recruiting is that Caleb Williams is coming to the University of Oklahoma. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute. But just him alone signing the the number one quarterback in this class is going to bump you number three in the Big 12, just off of that one guy, and probably top 15 nationally. But we also know that Caleb Williams isn't coming alone. Currently, the Sooners have five commitments. And for, you know, Joe from Anadarko out there going, whoa, show me the defense. What are they going to do on the defensive side of the ball? Three of Oklahoma's five commitments right now are defenders. Four-star defensive end Ethan Downs three-star safety Jordan Mukes, and three-star outside linebacker Danny Stutzman. While those players, Matt, that you've mentioned may not have the star power that Oklahoma fans are hoping for at this point in time, I, I, I was thinking about this earlier today. In preparation for the conversations that you and I are sitting down to have now, I was thinking about this simple fact. When Bob Stoops took over the program, there was this mentality that the talent level wasn't high enough to compete. And all throughout the 90s, I think you could go back and say proved 
that. But what we quickly found out was there was talent on the roster. It just needed to be pointed in the right direction, which resulted in Bob Stoops winning that 2000 national championship and the seventh at the University of Oklahoma for the program as a whole. Needless to say, I get the arguments. I'm going on a little tangent here, okay? I'm going to step up on the soapbox, but I'll step down, I promise. Going on this tangent, one thing that we consistently hear, one thing I consistently read, is where are the defensive recruits? Anytime we publish anything about someone on the offensive side of the ball, where's your defense? It never fails. They don't defense. How come they don't have any defenders? It never fails that someone jumps on there and in, says, "In my that mind, exact that's really thing. what they sound like as well." Right, saying, "Okay, cool, that's great and all, but we we need." And then they'll name a position, defensive backs or cornerbacks or safeties, whatever it is specifically, linebackers, defensive ends, defensive tackles. I, I don't care. It's There's always something being thrown out by name as a counter to, hey, here's who Oklahoma just sent an offer to, or hey, here's the commitment that Oklahoma just got, or hey, this um, prospect has narrowed his list down to three in the instance we're about to talk about three, one of those is Oklahoma. Great, but he's not a defensive player. All I want to remind people of is that I believe that there's talent on the roster and it's finally not to say that Mike Stoops is a terrible coach, but it's finally being pointed in a direction that people are the players specifically are getting on board with. And we're starting to reap the benefits of that. We saw the transformation of a guy like Parnell Motley so much so that we were saying he deserved to be invited to the NFL combine ends up going undrafted, but signs a undrafted free agent contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There is talent on this roster. Don't forget that when we begin to talk about who this next wave of recruits are, and I'm not talking about just you and I, Matt. I'm talking about across the board, the the major recruiting sites. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is that these same people that are screaming at us anytime we post about Caleb Williams or Mario Williams or Christian Leary, anybody else who plays on the offensive side of the ball, these people that are they're screaming about defensive players are pretty much the same people that were blowing me up on Twitter, I guess blowing us up on Twitter, and sending messages and so forth about when I said – Alex Grinch was hired. Remember what I said? I said, oh, you got a new defensive coordinator, but you got to change the field personnel. You got to get 11 new guys on the field. And they were killing me. They were roasting me for that comment. They're now the ones a year later screaming, where's the defensive players and the recruiting? Because let, they're now saying it, but they don't want to go back and say, yeah, you. Let, you. let me ask this question of you. Dude, you look frustrated over this. Like I'm not frustrated. Like you're scratching your I, head. I, and, I am. <laughs> because I need a haircut in a bad, bad way. Let me ask you this question. When it came to Neville Gallimore before a senior season, did you think he was NFL draft worthy? Yeah. I said he was. Be I'm on record saying before, be before, I before say this last, before the 2019 season. Yes. I, I'm on record saying, I think after his sophomore season, the guys, did, it, did you think he was worthy of a first round pick? I did not have him in, as a first round. Did grade. you think he I, was after 2019? I, well, we talked about this. I, I think talent wise. Yes. Need wise. Need wise. Right. I, I don't yeah. care about that. Yeah. I'm just saying the grade on the Look, paper. The, the argument you're trying to make the best argument is Kenneth Murray, because after last year, I didn't think Kenneth Murray was draftable. Everybody was in love with Kenneth Murray because of, of his athleticism. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I'm, I guess I'm not after last season, but after the 2018 season, everybody was, was mad at, uh, was in love with this kid over his physical attributes, but I'm watching a linebacker who over pursues 
ninety percent of the right. time, and I'm thinking he's got a great body. And I, th- that was consistent, not just of right. Kenneth Murray and, of and, all the linebackers. Well, but I'm thinking there there was a guy back in the early nineties named Aubrey Breavers who played for the University of Oklahoma, who was very much like Kenneth Murray, a physical freak. But when it came to reading plays and you know crashing the gap or pursuing, he was often out of position. But I think the argument that you're going to make, because I'm hijacking it from you now, is Kenneth Murray, who after the 2018 season, I didn't think was, he was draft worthy when everybody else was so in love with him. I thought he was going to have to stay two more years to be draft worthy. But in one year, not only did he become draft worthy, but he became legitimately deserving of a first round draft grade. Which is why I'm extremely excited about the prospect of Caleb Kelly playing as a linebacker in a full season. Right. Under Alex Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, I just wanted to take it and say, ask that question specifically, because, again, I'm just building this point that there is talent on the roster. I've always I'll continue to say this. You just have to point it in a direction. Yeah, Oklahoma has Unlock a couple. Unlock the cage. Open <laughs> the gate. Oklahoma has has a couple of Texans on for the twenty uh, twenty recruiting or uh, twenty twenty one recruiting class. Um, wide receiver, four star wide receiver Cody Jackson, and three star offensive tackle Colin Montgomery. Those are the two offensive players currently in the mix. But offensive players are about to explode big time for this class. I believe all hinging on the heels of quarterback Caleb Williams, who we have talked about in depth. And so I don't feel like we're going to spend as much time talking about Caleb Williams on this episode as we have in past episodes. But there is some big news about Caleb Williams coming out this last week in that on Monday, he said, yeah, I've narrowed down my choices. And and I was wrong about this, Rich, because I really thought Clemson was going to make a push. And what I thought was, if he was going to eliminate Maryland, the hometown team, that maybe Clemson could jump in there with him. And then if he kept Maryland in, I thought it would be Oklahoma, Maryland, and either LSU or Clemson. And I really thought Clemson was going to make a push after this kid. But the reality is his top three came out as Oklahoma, Maryland, and LSU. But on the very same day, LSU announces or I guess LSU didn't announce a four-star quarterback. Um, Nussmeyer. Yeah, Brand, uh, is it Garrett. Garrett Nussmeyer announced that he is going to be the quarterback for the LSU Tigers, making his commitment um, on Monday, essentially removing LSU from the mix for Caleb Williams. And so now where we've all, I've always said that it was down between LSU and Oklahoma Really, it's down legitimately down between LSU and Maryland, and Maryland's not in this thing other than the home team. That's the only way that Maryland is involved in this Caleb Williams sweepstake, in my opinion. I think everything points to Caleb Williams coming to the University of Oklahoma. When you hear Caleb Williams talk about Maryland, he talks about the memories. He talks about being a kid. And, and looking at this team, he talks about the good job that they've done the last couple of seasons, turning this program around a little bit. But when you talk, when you hear Caleb Williams talk about the University of Oklahoma, he talks about championships. He talks about playing. He talks about Lincoln Riley. He talks about coaching. He talks about Heisman trophies. He talks about winning titles. He, it's a different conversation when he talks about the University of Oklahoma than when he talks about the Maryland. And so Caleb Williams, I'm ready to say, and I texted this earlier in the week, the cat is out of the bag. 
Caleb Williams is coming to the University of Oklahoma, and you're going to start seeing guys who are involved in that circle, I believe, make their announcements. What LSU did by by making this commitment from Nesmeyer committable, they're basically saying, look, we're out on Caleb Williams, and so is everyone else. And you can't play – Williams has to play it out until this SI blog is over with. But as this – as information gets out, and here's what happened. And this is – how th- these are the things that you watch, okay, uh, you should watch, or things that we watch so you can just listen and you don't have to watch, okay? Um, when, when Williams uh, – excuse me, when LSU said uh, – I'm starting over. When Nussmeyer said – he is committing to LSU. Mario Williams was already a 100% crystal ball prediction to the University of Oklahoma. But the minute this, the very second almost that this commitment by Nussmeyer came out, Caleb Williams, who was already like at 90%, he went to 100% Oklahoma commitment. And so did Christian Leary go to 100% Oklahoma commitment. So you see all those trends suddenly just change that fast once he makes his once this Nussmeyer kid makes his commitment now you gotta start watching some of the other guys that have been mentioned along with Caleb Williams particularly on the defensive guys like Latrell McCutcheon and so forth there you're gonna start seeing these guys begin to make their commitments in this drought that we had had with the University of Oklahoma as far as getting verbal commitments not only is it about to come to an end, but it's about to really explode. And again, we've already seen that with on, on Monday. Not only do we have the news about Caleb Williams, not only do we have the news about Nutzmeyer, but what? Oh, I, I thought you were giving me the hang loose sign. <laughs> um, but um, Oklahoma, the, the Stutzman kid that we told you about like three weeks ago, made his decision public on Monday that he's going to the University of Oklahoma. So, Oklahoma immediately receives a benefit on Monday to this class. And this dude, he is slept on. You talk about recruits that are slept on. 6'3", 215 pounds, recorded 110 tackles last season on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, he's a tight end, 891 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns. He's going to play outside linebacker for the University of Oklahoma. You can go to heartland-sports.com and you can look up the film that we have there of him. This dude can run. I mean, I don't know that he's Teddy Lehman fast going back to the 2000 season, but he's pretty close to it. So you've already seen one commitment come in. Stutzman was never really connected to Caleb Williams, but as word gets out, I, I think you're going to start seeing you're going to start seeing one by one guys like Stutzman who are three-star recruits to McCutcheon who is a four-star recruit to some of these other guys that are that are more high-profile out there. I I do agree. Here's what I think we're actually going to start seeing. I know you're saying sooner rather than later. The word that I've seen pertaining to more than a handful of recruits is that they would like to make their commitments before their season starts as seniors in high school. But in conjunction with that, I've seen a lot say we're holding off simply because not that they've come out and say, I'm trying to read between the the writing here that you see on social media, but that they're waiting to make those commitments until we're done with the whole quarantine period. Matt, you and I have talked extensively about this one-on-one, but I believe the recruits, they, they want their moment to shine. 
And so we are starting to see Christian Leary set his decision date for June 6th. I think that's a, a, a good time frame for where all of these dominoes are going to begin to fall, specifically for the Oklahoma Sooners, because I also believe it's going to be roughly the same time that Caleb Williams makes his commitment. If I'm not mistaken, June is when that SI contract, whatever it is, ends with him as, I as think, a high school recruit. I think that that blog he's doing for Sports Illustrated is supposed to go through his school year. And, and oh, he okay. said on Monday that he's got about two weeks left. So I think your timing is right. I, mm-hmm. I think um, Christian Leary is going to make his commitment. And like I said, you're going to see in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see this thing. But again, these guys, they, they may be – they may be friends with Caleb Williams. They they may want to come play with Caleb Williams, but let's not forget these guys are also the stars of their respective teams. They've got their own Twitter following. They've got their own school and alumni and family and people that are proud of them. So they, they don't want to ride Caleb Williams coattails into the recruiting class. They do want to have that moment that is theirs where they get to say, Hey, I'm committing to play football for the university of Oklahoma. And so what you're saying, I believe, is 100% correct and that these guys want their own moment. They, yeah, they want to play with Caleb Williams. They're, they're working this thing out together. But that, that moment, that moment of recruiting, that's theirs. And, and I don't know that it'll come. All of them will become before Caleb Williams, but I think some of them will. Right? Yeah. Uh, you, you would have to have to think so at this point in time. We've already got one date on the books that's a name we've mentioned in Leary who's connected to Caleb Williams. I don't know that Caleb Williams decision one, he he's in the Washington DC area. We know that their guidelines are going to be a little stricter because of all the public transportation that they have to use when it comes to the, this COVID-19, the Verona virus, as I like to call it, when it comes to the whole situation and then beginning to reopen things, not only that, but they have to consider at that point in time, we're well into the summer and all of these flocks of visitors, of tourists, that's the word I was looking for, are going to begin to descend upon. You said flocks. Yeah, the flocks of tourists. Okay. Is that, is that okay? Can that's I sure. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking geese, but whatever. Okay, the tourists are going to flock there. Is, is that better for you? Sure, whatever, man. Just go. Said, they're they're going to begin <laughs> to descend upon that, the D.C. area. So, I again – I think it'll take a little bit longer for things to fully open in that D.C. area, which, again, does lead me to believe or to lean into exactly what you're saying in that more than a handful or a handful, excuse me, of recruits will make their commitments who are have some kind of a connection to Caleb Williams before Caleb Williams actually makes his decision. All right. Well, there's two other names I want to talk about, and then we're going to give our top five recruits for this class. So the, 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 the top five targets, not not recruits, but um, the top five targets. So this could be a kid who's committed to the University of Oklahoma, who's not committed, who's high or who's low, but top five targets that we've each got a list of for the University of Oklahoma. But there's two names that I want to tell you about, and one of them could be the star wide receiver in this class that no one's talking about. Well, we want to talk about some targets that Oklahoma has Um because there's still a lot out there. When you've, you've only got five verbal commitments, that means you've got a ton of targets that are out there. And we're gonna we're gonna give you our, our list of top five each. I, I'm sure we're gonna have some of the same. For example, do you have Caleb Williams on your top five? 
You can give that away right now. Recruits? Yeah, top five targets. That we're giving yeah, our, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So we're going to have some of the same on our top five targets. But there, there's a couple of guys I want to mention before we break down into, like, these guys that are the, the ones we've set aside. And one of those guys is an underrated player, in my opinion. His name is Caleb Johnson. And Caleb Johnson is a 5'10", 170-pound two-way player that is really kind of starting to see some things come on. University of Oklahoma most recently has offered him the day after LSU's offered him. This kid is fast. And we talk about Alex Grinch wanting speed, okay? We talk about Lincoln Riley always being able to exploit speed. I think if this kid were to come as a member of Oklahoma's recruiting class, he would be on the offensive side of the ball. He's got that Hollywood Brown style of play to him where he's a a smaller body receiver that is fast enough to get loose on the outside boundary can kill you. Just be devastating on a a, coming across on a middle drag route, get the ball and and get up the sidelines. This kid, um, he, and we have a a video of him. He's a track star. He, he ran the um, 100 meters um, and just with blazing speed. Do you know what his time was? Uh, yeah, his, uh, his time was 10 seconds. He, the, in fact, the... Flat. Yeah. The, the, Flat. He, he, here, here's what he says. This is what he says on the tweet. He says, official results said 10.0. Second place was 10.5. So you decide how fast I ran. I mean, this kid, what I read from that is he ran it in 10 flat, but he thought he was faster. So this kid has amazing speed, and he can do a lot at the next level. And he's a kid that Oklahoma's in on. But it begs the question here, Rich, is... How many receivers is Lincoln Riley willing to take in this class? Because we talked about um, with the Hazelwood injury, we talked about Oklahoma's receiving core at that point being 14 deep. So how many more is he willing to take on in this class? And you got guys that are they're rumored to be right there with Caleb Williams and two guys we talk about a lot, Christian Leary, Mario Williams. You've already got one guy that's, that's committed already in the Jackson kid. So there's three. And there's some other names that are still floating out there. So legitimately, what's a, I, I think four. I think four is acceptable. And if four is acceptable, then some of these names that we're talking about being connected to Caleb Williams, Lincoln Ryan's going to have to sit down with, with his quarterback and say, we can't take them all, Caleb, <laughs> because you're going to need offensive linemen, and you're going to need running backs, and you're going to need some guys on the, on the defensive side of the ball that can come and play with you. So we can't take all 31 of your receiver buddies. You know? Mm-hmm. So – what what's a realistic number for you as far as receivers go? Matt, I actually would have labeled the receiver as one of the, the biggest needs for Oklahoma. And I honestly believe that evidence backs that statement up. Why? Because when we begin to look at where the offers are going on the offensive side of the ball, the wide receiver, I believe, is has received the most differentiated offers from across the nation at 21 or 22. I'd have to go back and check that number specifically, but it's, it's in the low twenties at this point in time. And there's no other position that can even come close to that number. Granted, there are more wide receivers that will set foot onto the field outside of when we talk about the offensive side of the ball, outside of the offensive line. So it's understandable why so many offers are going out. I wouldn't have a problem. You've thrown out the number four. I wouldn't have a problem with him bumping that up one, even to five. Yeah. I mean, okay. And we can go with that. But again, when you look at this, this class of, of receivers, 
you know, we said 14, and that doesn't count the H-backs. That doesn't count guys right. like Braden Willis. It right. doesn't, you know, um, it's Austin Stogner. They're not included in that. And, and when you look through, if you were just to pull up the way Oklahoma's roster stands right now, and you look at receivers, there's there's not a lot of upperclassmen at all on there. And and the guys that are upperclassmen, um, you know, Spencer Jones, he's a redshirt senior, but he's a guy that's known more for his TikTok videos that he's putting out there than anything else. And then Theo Howard is the other receiver who's a senior, and he's just coming in, transferring in for one season. So it's not like there's going to be a ton of turnover at this position either. So you got 14, you're going to lose two, that leaves you at 12. If you take five receivers in 2021, that means you're going to go into that fall with 17 receivers on your roster, not counting H-backs? I, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not Lincoln Riley, okay? That just seems like a bunch of receivers to me. It It is. There, there's no way around that. And at this point in time, Matt, I don't know that there's going to be any attrition that would account or allow you to onboard more than anticipated from us as an outsider. Well, here, here's what I, here's where my thought goes. It, if they do, if they if they bring in five receivers in this class, I think four still puts you at 16. What Lincoln Riley is thinking is that guys like Hazelwood they're not they're they're not going to be around long you know they're going to leave after their junior season that you and you got that group stogner he could be a mark andrews type player that could get out of here after three years so maybe lincoln Riley's thinking along those lines and he's bringing the next group in in mass to just kind of cycle those guys through that's the only logical explanation for me if you're bringing in four to five receivers in this class now that said this caleb johnson kid he's special just based off of speed and you see the Hollywood Brown success in the NFL. Everyone saw his success at the university of Oklahoma. And when you watch this kid play, when you see his film and you break him down, he's very much remind you're, you're watching him and you're thinking Hollywood Brown. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that goes to your mind, but there's another guy out there. I want to, I want to talk hey, about, let, yeah, go ahead. Let me jump in there just really quickly with Johnson. I don't know how much, you know, about which programs are contacting him, which ones he's having the most conversations with. But I was reading an article before you and I had sat down. It's from Sports Illustrated on their LSU country. And because LSU jumped in there right about the same time Oklahoma did with – Yeah, a day before. They, they, with, they beat yeah, OU by one day. With that offer, here's what's crazy to me is he goes on in this interview and says the teams that are talking to him the most – let, let, let me just – I'm going to throw this at you. Who do you think would be the teams that are talking to him the most? Well, would it be an LSU? Would it be an, an Oklahoma? Would it be, I don't know, Georgia, Florida? Well, Who you got? Okay, here, here's – now I, I'm going to preface this by saying I wrote about this kid last week, and I really haven't looked at him much since then. But as of last week when I wrote, I think he had 11 scholarship offers, and LSU and Oklahoma were the two biggest offers. So I don't know who has come in after that, mm -hmm. but I would think if Oklahoma and LSU were new to the game with him, that most of his conversations have been with smaller schools. That's what I would think. You're, you're not totally off. It's Houston. Uh -huh. 
Oklahoma and Texas A&M. So he's basically you're saying he's he's taking LSU out of the mix. I'm not saying that. He's just saying that the programs that have the, contacted they're him recruiting the most, him the hardest. So the maybe one, LSU exactly, has taken maybe exactly. LSU has taken him out. The ones that have attempted to establish roots in that mm-hmm. relationship have been this ones that are specifically mentioned: Houston, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. Well. If, I, I get Houston and Texas A&M. Well, of those three, of those three, I, I like Oklahoma's chances a whole lot. Right. Because Houston, you know, Dana Holgerson is is taking his show to Houston from West Virginia. He struggled in his first year, but he's got he's got some turnover issues as far as personnel goes. He's got to get some better personnel in there. And what Derek King decides to do is really going to set his future for him. LSU well, duplicated basically what Lincoln Riley's been doing with quarterbacks and offenses, but they only they've only got a, a one year track record. But Texas A&M, they want to be there, and they're not. They're not even close. What I can tell you though for LSU, as far as it, as far as Johnson is considered in their eyes, they're not recruiting him for the offense. Well, then that's they're, they're going to recruit him as a defensive back. Yeah, he wants to play offense, from what I hear, and what and and he needs to, from what you see, he needs to play offense. Right. Um. So th- that's interesting though, because again, Texas A&M, Houston, and Oklahoma, I I very much like Oklahoma's odds there, yeah, very much. Sure. Um. So let me tell you about one other player that I I want to I want to throw out here and. And I, I kind of did a social experiment today, and you were involved in that social experiment. I texted several people that I know that keep up with Oklahoma, mildly keep up with Oklahoma recruiting, and I said, "Hey," and I didn't say football player, I didn't say, I, you know, I didn't say position or anything like that. I just said, "Hey, do you know who Jalil Farouk is?" And what did you say? I said I, I couldn't tell you much about him; that I, I didn't really know the name. Right, and you said I could Google him if you want me to. Right, <laughs> I was that, like, no. that was the exact term. That's right. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't need you to do that. But here's the thing: this kid is a four-star receiver, Rich. So that's the first thing you need to know about him. All right, I'm, I'm gonna put this together. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because it's important. We're talking about receivers, and here's why I'm crunching the numbers. All right, so follow me in on this. He's a four-star receiver, meaning what? He's talented. Right. Also meaning he's got many offers from big schools to be a four-star guy, right? Right. So not only is he a four-star receiver, he's got great size, 6'1", 200 pounds. He is a, a thick-bodied receiver, and he's pretty fast. He's the number six player from his home state. I'm not going to tell you his home state just yet, but he's the number six player from his home state. I already know. Well, yeah, I know you know, but I just want to say – Oh, I thought uh, you were going to – do no, trivia time. No, when I say I'm not telling you, I'm, I'm talking to the guy listening to the podcast or the gal listening to the podcast, okay? Um, now, here's the thing. Do you know who he idolized? Pretend you – I mean, you can say it. I mean, No, I don't. But, oh, you don't know who he idolizes? I don't. He idolizes CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb was one of his favorite – and he says this. One of my favorite college football players, CeeDee Lamb. So, we got a four-star recruit, 6'1", 200 pounds – who idolizes C.D. Lamb, and he's narrowed his choice down to five schools that he wants to make official visits, all right? So those five schools are what? You're raising your hand. Go for oh, it. Those, I just, I've got something to add about Okay. Him. Those five schools are Maryland, Penn State, Ohio State, Georgia, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the only Big 12 school. Now, he's done a virtual tour with the University of Oklahoma because he did not get to come in the spring. And here's what he says. He says, I never got a chance to visit Oklahoma, so the virtual tour, it felt like I was almost there. 
The campus was huge. The workout place was big. Everything. It was like I couldn't imagine Oklahoma being that, especially I'm excited to visit because CeeDee Lamb is one of my favorite receivers in college football. I kind of look up to him, so I wouldn't mind following in his footsteps. I see the program they've got there. It's a great program. And then he goes on to talk about, and this is the interview with rivals, he goes on to talk about what the conversations have been with the coaches. He says, I talk with the coaches a lot. This kid is very much on Oklahoma's radar. They're recruiting him hard, and no one's talking about him. Listen to what he says. I talk to the coaches a lot. They told me that I could be, and this is kind of funny. He says Jeremy first, like Jeremy Lamb, because he's also a basketball player. He says Jeremy, and then he like corrects himself. I could be as good as Jeremy, I mean CD. They told me I can. They say they see CD Lamb in me. They said they see greatness. They say CD Lamb came into school about 170. He's currently 200 pounds. They told me they could build me bigger, stronger, to make my routes better, get explosiveness. And then he says this. I could fit in perfect with them. Now, he in this interview, he talks about all five schools that he's going to make official visits to. And then he says that he's going to make his decision very shortly after making all five visits. But you know what the one thing is I haven't mentioned yet? I don't know the detail he goes in when he talks about Oklahoma versus the rest. Yeah, he doesn't. I, yes, he doesn't give the detail on the rest of the guys. But here's the thing. And that's a that's an important point. He talks about Georgia. He barely just barely scrapes over Georgia. Hasn't even talked to Brad Vandegrift. He says, "No, I haven't talked to that guy at all." You know, they but they they're recruiting good quarterbacks. Is what he says. Here here's the thing that that no, and again, no one's talking about this kid. Do you know who his childhood best friend is? No. Oh, that would be Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the class of 2021. And do you know that who Caleb Williams and his childhood best friend, they grew up (laughs) dreaming to play college football together. So this kid, if Caleb Williams is coming to the University of Oklahoma, there is a high percentage chance that Farouk is coming with him. As far as his production on the field, three seasons of high school ball, he's got 1,682 receiving yards. 801 rushing yards and a combined 30 touchdowns. So about Caleb Williams playing college football together. He says, Farouk says, we've always talked about this since we were younger. It's kind of like a dream come true. Mm -hmm. We kind of rounded it down, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. We're trying to work it out. And then the guy from rivals says, okay, so what are the chances? What are the odds that you and Caleb Williams wind up at the same school? And he says, yeah, it's pretty high. So, again, if Caleb Williams is coming to OU, I believe Farouk is coming to OU with him, which makes those numbers at the receiver position, when you're crunching those numbers, so you, you've got Mario Williams, you got Christian Leary, you you got the Jackson kid. If you're putting Farouk in there, that's four right there. I don't know you can go much deeper than that. And you you may be spot on when you say those are the four, because at this point in time, Matt, when I look over the list – of prospects, when I look over the list of targets, there aren't any that we've become extremely familiar with. There aren't any names that jump off the page. And you say there's been months worth of connections or ties to this specific player to the University of Oklahoma, much less saying there's been a tie to this player and Caleb Williams. The one thing I wanted to say about Farouk was he's already drawn a comparison to who he could be like, and it just so happens to be a former Oklahoma Sooner. There's your clue. Compare him to someone. CeeDee Lamb? You th- I mean, <laughs> I mean have you not... watched any film? 
a film, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, in fact, be, we've got some film posted at Harlem Sports because the the comparison that some of these websites are making, they're saying that Farouk could be a Kenny Stills type player. He's bigger than Kenny Stills, though. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, he's going to mm-hmm. be. Um, he's going to. He's already two hundred pounds. He's six one, two hundred already. Yeah, and granted, so, let let me let me say this. To tag it on to what I just previously said is they're comparing him to players who have gone through the college ranks mm-hmm. and, are, and are currently in the NFL. Right, right, right. So if his best comparison, if the guy, if it's like a Kobe Michael Jordan comparison here, and MJ's better is, is being compared to someone, it may very well be CD Lamb, but CD Lamb has yet. I get, to I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and, so the I'm best not, comparison. I'm on not the downplaying right Kenny Stills because the dude was a he was a Kenny Stills was a stud and he's having a great NFL career. But I, I see him being a a you you never thought of Kenny Stills. I mean, you've got the one one of Kenny Stills' best plays was the block from Damian Williams' ninety five yard touchdown run mm-hmm. against Texas. I, every time I see that play, I watch for Kenny Stills' block. But Kenny Stills was just a body in the right place at the right time on that block. Well, you think back to Mark Clayton, when Mark Clayton, Clayton played at the university of Oklahoma, he, no, well, okay. (laughs) Well, he just, he depleted people, but but CD lamb against Alabama in the orange bowl. He depletes a linebacker. I, that's the type of, I know exactly what you're saying. That's who he's going to be. When I think of Mark Clayton, I think of the crackbacks. Yeah. uh, You can't do anymore. But still, I'm just talking about the physicality. There, there's a difference between putting your body in the way. I was a small framed receiver, so my blocking was putting the body in the way just to get that guy to slow down a little bit. Uh, Kenny Steele is a step above that, but he is not the physical guy, punishing blocker that and you saw from CeeDee Lamb, that you saw from Mark Clayton. That's who I would more the, mold him after. The truth for me when it comes to Oklahoma receivers is that blocking ability, the downfield blocking specifically, is what sets them apart from any receiver in the country. Because rarely, granted, I don't sit down and watch Alabama every single week. So I can't tell you much about Jerry Judy outside of that he is a phenomenal receiver. How does he work in in the blocking game? I, I don't know. How is he at grabbing a hold of a defender and driving them towards the sideline to open up a little bit of space for that ball carrier who's coming behind him? I don't know. So again, when I look at Oklahoma, I, I look at the receivers and say the one thing that sets them apart has been the ability to block downfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Top five coming up. Your top five targets. doesn't mean they're coming. Mm-hmm. Top five targets for the University of Oklahoma. My top five targets. That's how we're going to close out the podcast. So let's do this. Okay. We've got our top five targets for Oklahoma 2021. We're both going to have Caleb Williams on this list. Caleb Williams, I, I leave some, I'm going I'm to throw this out there to you, just kind of give away some things. Mario Williams isn't on my list. Christian Leary is not on my list because those guys are tied into Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is on the list because when you get Caleb Williams, you're getting Mario Williams and you're getting Christian Leary. All right. And the Farouk's not on my list because he's tied into Caleb Williams. So those are, Three names that aren't on my list, but Caleb Williams is on my list for that specific reason. You've got Caleb Williams, so why don't you say something about Caleb Williams, why he's on your list, and then we're going to move on from there. How can Caleb Williams not be? No, I'm saying list? he is on the list, but I, know that. I mean we know that. You so we give a reason. We've talked. There ab- it was. It's okay, my bad. Now here's the, here's the reality <laughs> of the situation: is you see the athleticism, you see the arm strength, mm. you see the potential, that high ceiling in a quarterback, a guy who 
one hasn't even set foot on a college campus but has already displayed leadership qualities as well as this magnetic kind of personality it's a guy that you desperately want in your locker room regardless of which program you're rooting for it's a guy you want to rally the troops around i don't know that anyone will step onto a campus and match that of what baker mayfield was personality wise but there are guys who can get pretty close and i think caleb williams might be one of those we talk about the once-in-a-generation type talents. Um, Oklahoma, I don't know what it is about that quarterback position, but they seem to bring them in every single year. Spencer Rattler may have the better personality, but they're very comparable in their athleticism and what they can do when they're mobile and being forced to throw the ball. So exciting times when you're looking at the future of the quarterback position for Oklahoma, but it, Caleb Williams is an extension of what Oklahoma has already established. So give me the next guy. Number two. And these are, for me, they're not in any particular order. They're just five names. I've got to go with Samar Wheaton. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you, you have to pick up a running back, especially after what transcended last recruiting cycle when you were expected to bring in two and then you lose one late in that recruiting cycle. No slight to anyone who's currently on the roster, but Samar Wheaton. Why do you hate Seth McGowan? Samar Wheaton is a five-star. I'm just ignoring you, okay? Is a five-star recruit for a reason. He's been very tight-lipped about his recruitment. You haven't heard much come out of him. You don't even really know which schools are in that mix right now and which ones are, are taking the lead. Samar Wheaton, definitely a top target, specifically because of the position he plays, but also because of the type of talent he is. Yeah, I have Samar Wheaton as, uh, on my list as well. 5'11", five, uh, five 190 pounds, um, and you, you've, you've talked about the talent that's there. There's lots of film out there that you can look up on this kid. It looks like his choices, Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, um, are, are basically the top three. I think he's a slight lean towards Oklahoma, but he's not close enough of a lean to make you feel comfortable about him coming. I mean, you, you don't feel as comfortable about him as you would someone like a Christian Leary or so forth because there's just not enough information tying him in with other players. But for all the reasons you've said, I agree. I think he is a, a priority in this recruiting class. Another guy I, I, I believe is a priority because you got to have offensive linemen and if you if you don't know about Bryce Foster, this is a kid you absolutely 100% need to know about. He's one of the top offensive linemen in this class. 24/7 has him as a four-star prospect. Size-wise, he's going to remind you of like Orlando Brown, Zeus type guy. He's 6'5", 330 pounds. His nickname is the Mountain, so that pretty much tells you what you need to know about him. And Oklahoma, you know what Bill Bedenboe is doing. Um, on the on the on the level with offensive linemen is basically what Lincoln Riley's doing with quarterbacks. You know, Lincoln Riley's taking quarterbacks and he's grooming them and putting them in the NFL. Bill Beatenbow is doing the exact same thing with offensive linemen. So mm-hmm. there's a draw there. He it looks like he's coming down to Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And again, I don't know what Bud Foster has got going on down in, in College Station, but I know Texas A&M fans are always disappointed. I mean, I'm just that's that's why Texas A&M fans are so miserable to deal with on social media and so forth because they're always disappointed, they're always mad, they're always angry because they're they never live up to expectation. I mean, that's what I know about Texas A&M. I, I mean, this kid may go there, but I, I like him as a lean towards Oklahoma and definitely a key figure in this recruiting class. Then no surprise for me, Matt, because I've got the exact same name on my list in Bryce Foster. These are in no specific order. No, I'm the same way. By the way, um, Bryce Foster, obviously, 
without an offensive line, the offense doesn't work. Right. You've also are considering, as you've mentioned, what's my easiest path to that next level? How do I get to the NFL? Of course, there's work that has to be put in. You can't slack on that. We've seen that numerous times where kids show up as the best and then it just doesn't pan out because they're used to their athleticism and their talent getting them by without necessarily putting in that work. So you want someone with that work ethic. I think Bryce, excuse me, Foster has that. I think he's going to be one of the better offensive linemen, if not the best offensive lineman, regardless of where he ends up. And we'll for sure see him in the NFL one day. So I'm just going to kind of breeze on past that one and move on to my next one. I am putting a receiver there. I'm going to go ahead and tab Mario Williams as the bigger pickup right now than a guy like Christian Leary. Again, no slight to Leary, but when I'm looking at the rankings, when I'm looking at the guys who are in the top 16, it's Williams' name who is listed there. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at continuing the tradition of the receivers that Oklahoma has had and the current string of success where they've been putting players into the NFL. Williams is the more likely to assume that role for Oklahoma. I think he's that once in a generational, if we can use that term type talent at the receiver position that will, that could very, very easily Hazelwood makes the jump, assume that role. Well, I'm going to go with the receiver as well then with Whoa. my with my next guy. You and said you weren't listing any. I, I know. Well, here's the thing. I, I wasn't going to list Christian Leary or Mario Williams because they're tied into Caleb. Or Farouk. Uh, or Farouk. But here, here's a guy. As much as I've railed on having 35 receivers in this, okay, on this roster, this kid, if he says, yeah, I'm coming to the University of Oklahoma – then you're going to take him. Okay. He, you're, you're going to either burn one of these other guys and say, Hey, thanks, but we don't need you anymore. Or you're going to just make roster space. And that's uh, Emeka Egbuka, six one one ninety. He's a five-star kid who is a stud and he's a heavy, heavy, heavy lean to Ohio state right now. I think that's where he's going to end up, but Oklahoma is still recruiting him. They're still wanting him. And if he does say, yeah, I'll, I'll come and play with Caleb Williams then you're going to take him. I mean, 100% you're going to take this kid. He is, he's every, what you just said about uh, Mario Williams, Egbuka is everything and then some of, on what you just described. This is the game changer receiver that from day one is the star on the field. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I, I, don't, I don't see you, you stop, I don't see you stop recruiting him. Um, but that he's he's there, and then the last guy I have is a defensive side of the ball. Is funny we we start out bagging on people asking about <laughs> defenders, and we neither one of us have given a, a defender yet. But I'm going to go with Latrell McCutcheon, um, 6'11", 176 pounds, out of Texas. Um, he Texas isn't I don't believe in on him at all. But looks like it's going to come down between Oklahoma and Alabama. Four star um, guy. Defensive back, 6'1", 176. Um, he's the type of player, again, when you talk about that, the, the height, the long arms, the speed, the you know the the, the thickness, he, he will fit in nicely with Alex Grinch. And he's the guy that has been tied in with Caleb Williams a little bit. I know Caleb has reached out to him uh, on several occasions to try to get him in on his crew that he's building. And for that reason, I think he might be a little bit more of a lean to Oklahoma. But anytime you're going head-to-head -head with Alabama, you hold your breath. <laughs> That's very true, especially with defensive guys. Needless to say, Matt, I'm going to 
I wanted to throw Latrell McCutcheon in the, the, the top five there. So I'm going to go ahead and, and let you have that one. And I'm going to go a different direction here because Kendall Daniels yeah. has to show up on the radar. Well, Kendall Daniels point. is coming to OU. I mean, he, he's, he, I do believe I a hundred percent agree with you. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I didn't list him is because again, you know, I've got, I've got in, a little bit of inside information on this kid. He's coming to OU. I mean, I just, right. I, I, well, I, I'm and, sticking to my guns on and, that. And the predictions are, are, aligning with what you're saying, but we've talked about long and rangy defenders specifically at that safety position. We've also talked about increasing the height to combat a lot of these taller receivers that have found a home in the big 12 and have been extremely successful. When I look at Kendall Daniels, he fits that mold at six, four, a long rangy, rangy guy who shows closing speed or the ability to pursue Mm -hmm. even and track players down who have made their way past that secondary or that, and that initial surge Needless to say, when I look at Kendall Daniels, I think he's a perfect fit for what Alex Grinch is looking like and that's or looking for, and that's why he has to remain in the top five. No, I, I agree. I, not only that, Matt, but he's also an in-state kid. So 100%. And, and, and we talked kids. about the in-state kids because, you know, Ethan Downs being an in-state kid, Kendall Daniels being an in that, that would give you the number one, number two players. Mm-hmm. And then you got Jordan Mukes, who's an in-state kid. So Oklahoma is is making that a priority with this class. The other thing I'm gonna say about Daniels is you you know look if you know football your 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 cornerbacks are usually your smallest players on the defense. Alex Grinch is trying to get them to be bigger, all right. And then your safeties are typically a bigger than your corners, and your nickels are in between the corner and the safety in size. But Daniels is a freaking safety who's the size of a linebacker. I mean, think about this kid's size, and then you look at his speed and athleticism. Oklahoma could do all kinds of things with Kendall Daniels. I do believe he'll play safety, but they'll also play him at linebacker. He will float all around this field for Alex Grinch. There, he's a kid. We talk about Braden Willis on offense. We talk about Austin Stogner on offense. Guys that you can put them in multiple positions and do multiple things with. He's that guy on the defensive side of the ball. That's a good pickup. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for us on the Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks so much again for being a part of the show. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can find us always so you can subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We are all around the world. So hit us up and we'd love to hear from you.